A Gnome There Was by Henry Kuttner and C.L. Moore. Part 5 Of all the perverted, incredible forms of life that had ever existed, gnomes were about the oddest. It was impossible to understand their philosophy. Their minds worked along different paths from human intelligences. Self-preservation and survival of the race, these two vital human instincts, were lacking in gnomes. They neither died nor propagated. They just worked and fought. Bad-tempered little monsters, Crockett thought irritably. Yet they had existed for ages. Since the beginning, maybe. Their social organism was the result of evolution far older than man's. It might be well-suited to gnomes. Crockett might be throwing the unnecessary monkey wrench in the machinery. So what? He wasn't going to spend eternity digging anthracite. Even though, in retrospect, he remembered feeling a curious thrill of obscure pleasure as he worked. Digging might be fun for gnomes. Clearly it was their raison d'etre. In time, Crockett himself might lose his human affiliations and be metamorphosed completely into a gnome. What had happened to other humans who had undergone such an alteration as he had done? All gnomes look alike. But maybe Grumagru had once been a human. Or Druk. Or Brockobun. They were gnomes now, at any rate, thinking and existing completely as gnomes. And in time, he himself would be exactly like them. Already he had acquired the strange tropism that attracted him to metals and repelled him from daylight. But he didn't like to dig. He tried to recall the little he knew about gnomes. Miners, metalsmiths living underground. There was something about the Picts, dwarfish men who hid underground when invaders came to England centuries ago. That seemed to tie in vaguely with the gnomes' dread of human beings, but the gnomes themselves were certainly not descended from Picts. Very likely the two separate races and species had become identified through occupying the same habitat. Well, that was no help. What about the Emperor? He wasn't apparently a gnome with a high IQ, but he was a magician. Those jewels, cockatrice eggs, were significant. If he could get a hold of the ones that transformed gnomes into men. But obviously he couldn't, at present. Better wait, till the strike had been called. Crockett went to sleep. He was roused, painfully, by Brock O'Bun, who seemed to have adopted him. Very likely it was her curiosity about the matter of a kiss. From time to time she offered to give Crockett one, but he steadfastly refused. In lieu of it, she supplied him with breakfast. At least, he thought grimly, he'd get plenty of iron in his system, even though the rusty chips rather resembled cornflakes. As a special inducement, Brocklebun sprinkled coal dust over the mess. Well, no doubt his digestive system had also altered. Crockett wished he could get an X-ray picture of his insides. And then he decided it would be much too disturbing. Better not to know. But he could not help wondering. Gears in his stomach? Small millstones? What would happen if he inadvertently swallowed some emery dust? 
Maybe he could sabotage the Emperor that way. Perceiving that his thoughts were beginning to veer wildly, Crockett gulped the last of his meal and followed Brocklebun to the anthracite tunnel. How about the strike? How's it coming? Fine, Crockett, she smiled, and Crockett winced at the sight. Tonight all the gnomes will meet in the Roaring Cave, just after work. There was no more time for conversation. The overseer appeared, and the gnomes snatched up their picks. Dig, dig, dig. It kept up at the same pace. Crockett sweated and toiled. It wouldn't be for long. His mind slipped a cog so that he relapsed into a waking slumber, his muscles responding automatically to the need. Dig, dig, dig. Sometimes a fight. Once a rest period. Then dig again. Five centuries later, the day ended. It was time to sleep. But there was something much more important. The Union meeting in the Roaring Cave. Brocklebun conducted Crockett there, a huge cavern hung with glittering green stalactites. Gnomes came pouring into it. Gnomes and more gnomes. Turnip heads were everywhere. A dozen fights started. Grumagrew, Mugza, and Druk found places near Crockett. During a lull, Brocklebun urged him to a platform of rock jutting from the floor. Now, she whispered, they all know about it. Tell them what you want. Crockett was looking out over the bobbing heads, the red and blue garments all lit by that eerie silver glow. Fellow gnomes, he began weakly. The words roared out, magnified by the acoustics of the cavern. That bull bellow gave Crockett courage. He plunged on. Why should you work twenty hours a day? Why should you be forbidden to eat the anthracite you dig while Podrang squats in his bath and laughs at you? Fellow gnomes, the emperor is only one. You are many. He can't make you work. How would you like mud soup three times a day? The emperor can't fight you all. If you refuse to work, all of you, he'll have to give in. He'll have to. Tell him about the non-fighting edict, Grumagru called. Crockett obeyed. That got him. Fighting was dear to every gnomic heart. And Crockett kept on talking. Pauldrang will try to back down, you know. He'll pretend he never intended to forbid fighting. That'll show he's afraid of you. We hold the whip hand. We'll strike, and the Emperor can't do a damn thing about it. When he runs out of mud for his baths, he'll capitulate soon enough. He'll enchant us all, Druk muttered sadly. He won't dare. What good would that do? He knows which side his... Uh, which side his mud is buttered on. Podrang is unfair to gnomes. That's our watchword. It ended 
of course, in a brawl. But Crockett was satisfied. The gnomes would not go to work tomorrow. They would instead meet in the council chamber adjoining Padrang's throne room and sit down. That night, he slept well.